Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I am here today with Kylie Dunn, who is in the Portland, Oregon area and actually has her own blog where she has shared some of her experiences, but this is her first time on a podcast. So welcome to the show, Kylie. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. You, you had reached out to me, um, you know, to share your story on this platform. And I'm, I'm interested in hearing your story and your experiences. We know that people sharing their own narratives really help heal other people um, and inspires other people to share their own story as well, because it's not the easiest thing to do. It's, it's hard sometimes to talk about and, um, but it's also very therapeutic. And so I'm excited for you to share it on our platform today. And, um, and yeah, so go ahead and start wherever you feel comfortable. I know you have three kids, right? Yeah. Three kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and I think you've experienced, did you experience some sort of mood disorder with all of three of them? Yeah. Every time it was different every time. Um, but yes. All three okay. Times. All right. So you can start wherever you feel comfortable and just kind of take us through your experience. So when I was pregnant with our first, um, we were going to a freestanding birth center. And one of the requirements was you had to take a birth class. Um, so, and then amidst all the birthing information, we also talked about postpartum um, and postpartum depression and all the warning signs and things for that. And I thought, well, this probably isn't going to happen to me, but I knew it could happen to anybody. So I also kind of saved the information and based on everything I'd heard was kind of expecting to be miserable postpartum, just physically and emotionally. And, um, but I was surprised that it wasn't any of that, at least for the first few days. Um, so it just felt really idyllic and, you know, my husband was bringing me food and bed and the baby was sleeping and I felt really great. Um, but then I had, an intrusive thought. Um, just one afternoon I was sitting on the couch and I was starting to think about, oh, it'd be nice to go outside on the patio and kind of get some fresh air. Um, and we were on the second story apartment. Um, and as I was thinking about taking the baby out on the, the porch to get some fresh air, this image flashed in my mind of just dropping her off the side of the, over the wall. Um, and I was just really shocked. And I was like, this isn't, I wasn't thinking about like doing it. It wasn't something, it was just in the image. It was like, I was doing it, but it wasn't some sort of active thought of like, I'm wanting to do this or I'm actually doing it. Um, but I was still like really sickened by it. And um, I started shaking and just put the baby, she was sleeping and I put her down 
and I called my husband and it, I think it probably took me a couple of minutes to be able to tell him what had just happened, but I was really convinced that I, I needed to tell somebody um, because it was just so disturbing. Um, and I don't actually have any idea really what he thought, but he said, well, if it keeps happening, we'll call um, the midwives and stuff. And the only category I had for what I, for the intrusive thought was, you know, on the list of warning signs for postpartum depression is thoughts of harm. Um, and so that's what I thought had happened. Um, so I was really, really freaked out. Um, and then they, they did keep happening. So we called the midwives um, and they said, I mean, we talked about how things were and how I was eating and realized I had had like no appetite since the baby had been born. So I started eating more um, and we called our pastor's wife and she came and visited and we talked a lot. And I, at that point the plan was, well, we'll try this first. And if it doesn't improve, we'll go on to kind of a second level of um, going to a psychiatrist or getting more medical help. Um, but we wanted our church to, or at least some people in our church to know anyway. So we thought, well, we'll just start there. Um, and it actually, the intrusive thoughts settled down almost immediately, which now I know like how, rare that is and I'm just so grateful. Um, and then about three weeks postpartum, they were pretty much completely gone, but I still had a lot of the like avoidance patterns I had started. Um, and I didn't really even realize I still had those until after our third was born. Um, just things now that I'm realizing like, oh, I'm really anxious about certain things about how we walk by the side of the road or how I use, how my kids are around the stove or knives and things like that. Then I'm like, oh, this is actually leftover from the intrusive thoughts and kind of the mild OCD that followed. Um, but we still, I still hadn't, nobody had told me like, oh, this is actually OCD, not postpartum depression. Um, so I was still really, really freaked out about those thoughts because they had cleared up, but I hadn't ever been told like, this is actually what they are. These are intrusive, they're not real. They have nothing to do with actual um, thoughts of harm and things like that. Um, and in retrospect, it's pretty clear that everybody else knew that because I wasn't hospitalized. I wasn't, you know, there was no emergency action. Um, but it, to me, it felt like, oh, this is still something really weird and bad. And, um, which is really surprising that, uh, well, what year was this? When did this occur? This was 2014. Oh, 2014. Okay. That's really great though, that your midwives and everyone knew that it was, cause it's so often mistaken, you know, this mom is likely suffering from psychosis, you know, wanting to hurt her children. And that's where the intrusive thoughts, it's where people get confused and women are misdiagnosed, but how your experience would have been so much different had people reacted differently to your situation, which, which typically causes so much more trauma to the mom and the family. So kudos to your team who just kind of, yeah knew that, no, these are intrusive thoughts. This is what we need to do. And it is rare that they just kind of go away <laughs> on their own. So, you know, so that's just amazing. So go ahead. Sorry. I just yeah. had to jump in there. Cause that's very unusual to hear. So, yeah. so then I, I was really worried though about um, having another kid because I still thought like, oh, this was severe postpartum depression instead of more mild OCD. Um, 
And I did, I do think I did have some mild depression still until she was about six months old. Um, Cause it was just kind of feeling like I'm not as fun of a mom as I wanted to be. I don't feel quite as, I just didn't feel it quite like I expected it would. Um, and then one day when she was around six months old, I was like, Oh, this is really great. Like, I don't just love my baby, but I actually enjoy being her mom. Um, so that was kind of a surprise because I felt like everything was fine again. But then we moved. So my husband was military and we moved overseas to Japan. And when we were there, we thought when we moved, we we're like, oh, this is better than him being deployed for a long time. But instead he was kind of going in and out a lot and it was very unpredictable. And we never knew how long he would be gone, how long he'd be home for. And we had a pretty good community there, but it was still, you know, still away from family and stuff like that. But I was pregnant with our second and my greatest fear in that time was a repeat of the previous mood disorders. And so I did pretty much as much as I could to prepare. And I had done some research and really we were just trying to minimize any stress that we could and maximize nutrition and um, social support and stuff like that. But there was still just so much stress surrounding the birth because we didn't know if my husband was going to be there. We didn't know if my so my best friend flew out to be with us. Um, and based on our first being born early, we were like, oh, she'll probably be born early. And so kind of the days were going by and the baby still hadn't been born and my friend was about to leave and my husband was there and we were pretty sure he was going to be there. Um, but it was just very stressful kind of waiting for all of that to happen. And, but she was born with both of them there. And um, her birth was super easy. I mean, as far as birth is ever easy. Um, and everything was going really well. Like she nursed really well. And um, our older daughter who was almost two was just so in love with her. And I was just so relieved, but I didn't have that afterbirth high and the euphoria that I'd had before. And I could kind of tell something was off right away just with how I felt. Um, and I actually started having some PTSD that first night when I was trying to sleep, which was weird because I thought the birth was perfect. There was nothing. I was like, what could have been traumatic about that? Because everything went really smoothly. Um, it was kind of my dream birth. And then they just kind of went away for a while. Um, but it still was unsettling. And I was kind of like, something is really off. But it wasn't anything I could really put my finger on. And as postpartum continued, I started feeling bad, but it would kind of I'd be depressed one day and then fine the next day and kind of cycling in and out of that. And at my postpartum checkup, I told my midwife how I'd been feeling. Um, but also that the last couple of days had felt pretty good and we kind of felt like everything was getting better. But a, within a week or two later, it was pretty clear that I wasn't getting better and that I was really struggling with a lot of depression and um, just super irritable and feeling really distant from the baby little bit of resentment because of how like with my husband deployed a lot we were our older daughter and I were really close and so then it kind of felt like this baby's coming in in between that and I had felt ahead of time I was like I think it's going to be like this um but everyone says oh you'll just love her it'll be fine and I was like I don't know that I will um I mean I did I loved her but it was still just this weird thing of like you're taking what we had and it was just hard to go through that transition um, to find our new, the new way our family was going to be. And I also just couldn't focus, which was really hard for me because I love to like read and write and think and just doing more, um, read a lot of more academic theological books and stuff like that. And I just couldn't 
focus even to like play a board game. Um, and then the thing, a lot of the things that usually were really comforting to me, like reading my Bible or praying or certain songs or um, being outside or things like that, sometimes even made me feel worse. And I tried to go back to see my midwife, but the base hospital policy was that I couldn't see her after six weeks postpartum, which was really lame. And I probably should have pushed harder or something, but I was just like, oh, okay. And they said, go see your family practitioner doctor. And I was like, well, I've never met her. We've only been here like a year and I never met her. And we were also about to move back to the States. So I thought, well, we'll just, if I still feel bad when we get there, I'll find a doctor. So we moved and um, we're kind of in a month in limbo where we didn't have, we're living out of suitcases, kind of a little bit of time with my husband's family, a little bit of time with my family. And it was really, really nice to not have to cook and clean, but we had jet lag and then we had the chicken pox, actually we had the stomach flu. And then like when we finally moved up to our new duty station, our oldest got the chicken pox um, and the PTSD came back to the point where it was just starting to interfere a little bit with daily life and still just spiritually, I felt really bad. And it just, everything was really a struggle and we were kind of in between places. So I was like, I don't know who to go to. Like, we don't have a church community here. We don't have other community. I don't have a doctor. And at some point in there, my husband or I was like, we should contact some good family friends that my family had known. And I had known since I was in high school or before, um, just two older women who knew me really, really well. And so I wrote them really long, really long email. And we ended up having Skype calls with them. And both of them were just like, no wonder you feel this way, Kylie. Like, look at all these things that you've had in the last three years, um, three international moves, two kids, like deployments and all this other stuff. It's kind of like, no wonder you feel really bad. <laughs> and you're used to not like being nearly well enough to know that I generally was pretty emotionally stable. So on top of all this change, I was also having these really strong feelings that I hadn't really ever had before. Just talking with them was really helpful. And they were able to point out areas just of things where I would say you know I could say I don't believe I'm a bad mom or I don't believe these things but then they could say well but what is your like what are you actually what's your self-talk throughout the day like and I'm realizing oh I'm really grumbling to myself a lot like oh I'm so terrible I shouldn't have done that this is all my fault and so that was just really helpful to me and exactly what I needed at the time and as we then we moved to our new duty station and I, I started to feel a lot better as we settled in and I went to the doctor and again we kind of said let's do some blood work and try some other things. And then we'll talk about medication if that doesn't improve. And it, it did improve. Um, like my vitamin D was really, really low and some other factors and things that she was like, let's try these things. And it did help. And I think a lot of it also just settled because our life was finally settled again. And um, I think just being in a new place also helped to be like, well, to welcome the baby a little bit more into our family um, because we were just figuring everything out again. Right. new it wasn't trying to keep the old stuff we had and mix her in it was just totally new so by the time she was about six months old I didn't feel like myself again but I felt a lot better um kind of felt like everything's manageable when she was about 11 months old I really felt normal again and it just didn't feel like my brain was about to explode which now I've also read a lot just about overstimulation and realizing that was a big thing of what was going on mm -hmm. um and some of the times I just felt the worst was actually probably not even like depression, but just overstimulation, which I know it, I do get more overstimulated when I'm depressed because I get some seasonal depression as well. And that tends to be one of the hardest parts for me is I just, everything just feels like it's too much, but I just, I could felt like it could be a fun 
mom again. Like we could do fun things, not to run away from feeling bad, but to actually enjoy them. And just my, my spiritual life was a lot better again. And we were just, it was just a really good place. And so we kind of took the next year and a half was very much, we saw as like, we're here in my husband's last duty station before getting out of the military. And we're like, this is just a good time for a lot of healing and really focusing on that. And that's when I started researching, like, I'm going to learn more about post depression and these other mood disorders so I can understand them better. And I started writing about it. And that's when I realized I'd actually had OCD the first time and just learning a lot more about realizing what things were actually were depression and other things. I thought, oh, this is just me not handling it well, which sometimes it was. I mean, there was a lot of personal grief and other things I hadn't worked through that I needed to work through. And I think that was one of the good things that came out of that round of postpartum depression was that I, I did have to work through a lot of these emotions I had just tried to hide and stuff for a really long time. When I got pregnant with our third, I felt pretty prepared. So I had done a lot of research. My husband was out of the military. Um, he was in grad school with a GI Bill stipend and stuff. So he wasn't like trying to work two jobs while studying and um, all of that. And we lived close. We actually live in my in-laws basement. Um, but it's like an apartment. And I know some people here, oh, you live with your in-laws. No wonder you're having <laughs> difficulties. But um, it's, it's been a very good situation. I just had a good community generally too. And so I was, I was really concerned about postpartum depression again. But um, knowing I had worked through things and that we we're in a better place, it, it just wasn't as, didn't seem quite as scary. But I didn't have very long to think about that. Because when I was 14 weeks pregnant, we were in a car accident. And our car was totaled. Um, so it wasn't that bad of an accident, but from, I was in the passenger seat and from that angle, it, it just really seemed like somebody was going to be really hurt or worse. Um, so I had a lot of PTSD from that and just that made me really anxious for the rest of the pregnancy. And I didn't realize how bad it was until later. Some of it just felt normal. Like, well, of course I'm really scared about driving or walking on the side of the road because we were just in a bad car accident. Like, of course I'm scared much as I had this feeling that something bad was going to happen like all the time. Um, and I would often go to my appointments, like I'm going to tell my midwives how I'm feeling and I'd get there and they were just, their presence was just so calming to me, which was good. I'm like, well, that's what I want in my birth provider, but um, that I would often just forget about it until I was leaving. And I was like, Oh no, I didn't talk to them about it again. And, and it would kind of come and go to like, it would get better and then it would get worse. And, Often it would get worse because I'd be like, oh, well, I have something I'm nervous about coming up. Like, I really hate needles. And so when I had to get like my Rogam shot while I was pregnant and stuff, I thought, oh, I'm just more anxious this week because I have to get the shot. And as soon as the shot's done, I'll be a lot better. And, and that was true, but I still should have <laughs> spoken up. Um, it's so common for us to do that. I remember doing yeah. that all the time. I would always try to put it on something else that would make it make sense um, mm -hmm. because otherwise it didn't make sense. And so I think especially it's just, I feel like our personalities are very much similar, <laughs> always trying to find reasons to justify it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very common. So then I, I did try to get in with a counselor at one point though, because I was like, I do need some help here because I'm not doing very well. But I had to be put on a wait list. And then by the time she had an opening, I was 36 weeks pregnant. And I was like, well, this is probably a lot due to pregnancy. And it was a bit of a drive. So we decided to wait to pursue any counseling or any further 
stuff until after the baby was born because the hope was that, well, this is probably somewhat related to just being pregnant. And so it may just go away after the baby's born. Again, kind of pushing it out. Um, it's kind of my big regret isn't necessarily that I had done something differently or tried certain things, but just that I had actually asked for help to try something um, to talk to them and see what they would have suggested. But I was also realizing how some of the things from my postpartum depression were affecting me, not only because I was anxious about that, but also just because um, I realized that a lot of the ways that I dealt with fear um, for me had a lot to do with, well, how do I think about God? And um, as a Christian, just thinking about him as being good, but also being in charge of things. And so then thinking like, well, but if you let this car accident happen or this postpartum depression happen, it just felt like, well, how, how can I trust him or how can he be good? Um, so just having to think through some of that and um, kind of push back on the anxiety sometimes in all forms it took, whether it was more about more spiritual stuff or more um, just about with my kids or things like that, just to be able to look at whatever is anxious about and be like, well, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> or even if something does happen, like I know it will be okay. Just seeing how the previous experiences were affecting me then and just needing to further work through some things. So our daughter was born and her birth was the hardest of all of ours. Um, but it was also really interesting because I had wanted to have a birth that was, that had a slower start because <laughs> our our first, my water broke and I didn't feel any contractions until I woke up in the middle of the night with some really hard ones. And then with our second, I had nothing. And then I woke up in the middle of the night, basically in transition. So I was like, I'd like to have a little more warning. <laughs> um, and it was kind of a slower start with off and on stuff. And, um, but it was just a harder birth and especially pushing. Um, I pushed as long with her as I did with our first, which is still not very long, but it, just felt like oh this is going backwards and then when she crowned it took a really long time and she actually had a really big head so that was probably a lot of it but she came out just crying and crying and wouldn't stop like I couldn't get her to settle on me and I ended up having to pass her off to someone else to hold her because I was like I can't calm down enough for them to like get the placenta out and do all of that because she's just so fussy and I'm like just trying to get her to settle down and the weird thing was while I was pregnant with her it had this I kept reading these stories about people with colicky babies and I was just like that's going to be me sometime. Um, I just kind of almost had this premonition that there was going to be, she was going to be a hard baby. Um, but in the first two weeks we were at the doctor just about every single day because she had low billy ribbon and she had a severe tongue tie. Um, and then I got an infection and just with all of that, we we're at the doctor like every day and finally got the tongue tie revised. And so I wasn't in pain. I mean, like just think back to the first for their first baby where I was like, oh, I'm expecting to be miserable, <laughs> especially in how I felt physically. I was like, this is what I was expecting that time. Cause when I got an infection, I had a high fever. And so everything just hurt and ached. And I was like, oh, and then just feeding her, I was in tears because of how um, the tongue tie just, it hurt so bad. Um, but I thought I was doing pretty well. Cause I was like, I'm not, I'm not actually crying that much. I don't feel depressed. Like the anxiety feels a little better. But then when I, we kind of got back to more normal 
life again, I was like, okay, I am still having a lot of anxiety. It was just when I was kind of cocooned in the basement for a couple of weeks, um, it felt a lot safer and better, which is good. I mean, I, I definitely needed that. Um, but then to come out of that, I was like, okay, I'm still really anxious. So I went to counseling and it, it did help, but I, I mean, ultimately, ultimately like three months postpartum, it just kind of went away. Um, so I think there probably was a pretty big hormonal factor or something in yeah. there because of how it just kind of felt like I'm doing either all the things I've been doing all along suddenly clicked and it worked or it just, whatever was causing it just went away. Um, we also, around that time was when she finally started um, settling down from the colic, found out she was sensitive to dairy and corn and ch chickpeas, which was random. Um, but she wasn't really fussy anymore. She wasn't um, having, she just was always uncomfortable and she was finally napping in like a swing instead of being held. And um, she was still really unpredictable, which was hard. And I, in that unpredictability and trying to get her to nap in a swing, it was when I was like, I think I am somewhat depressed because I'm crying like every day, but it was like, it, I kind of should be because <laughs> she's just, it's so hard. <laughs> Right. Um, but, and right about when she started becoming more consistent when she was six months old is when COVID hit. Oh, okay. And at first I was really upset because I was like, we're just getting into routine. We're just starting to feel like I can go out of the house and do things again. And now we're stuck at home. But within a few weeks, I was like, this is actually really good for us because, um, it had just been such a crazy six months with her and just felt like we were just trying to survive. And so instead of going from feeling normal to doing everything again, it was just a really good time to rest more and um, be able to enjoy our baby and all the kids and um, stuff like that. So, and now she's, how old is she? 21 months and she still can't have like milk and yogurt, but she's, just so much fun. Yeah. Uh, so. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting with COVID. Um, cause I have like so many, so many friends that are, you know, very much introverted. And, and so for them, like this, it, it actually was a relief because it was like, you know, everyone else, it, it, it's almost the new normal. Like it's not weird because I want to be home or don't feel like I can go yeah. out because nobody can. So, you know, it almost made it better because everyone was kind of in the same place. Um, but yeah, wow. That's, that's quite a journey with those three. And you, and I don't know that I have ever, um, talked to someone who has experienced such a spectrum of symptoms with three in like completely three different situations. Um, Wow. So tell me now, you know, you know, obviously you're, you know, on the healing journey and, you know, so what, what have you taken away from all those experiences? And I think one of the big things after this last time is just the importance of getting help. Even if you think you're going to be okay. Like, and I, I mean, I sensed that with our, our second as well, where it just felt like I was kind of coming in and out of it. Um, and so it felt like, well, I'll probably be okay. Or I decide if I'm still feeling bad on Friday, I'll call, but I'd feel better on Friday. So I wouldn't call, but just that it's still really important, um, to get help, even if you're starting to feel better. But also, I mean, I think one of the things that I've, and I've heard this from other moms as well, where it just can often be the first like big suffering 
some of us have, um, which I know I'm hugely grateful for <laughs> because I know for most people, for a lot of people, it isn't because they've been through a lot more pain before then. Um, and so it can just be really formative and can really test a lot of the things you think you believe or you say you believe um, and having to be having to work through some of that um, and you can just change how you think about the world and stuff and also just having also just seeing the need for more awareness about mood disorders and in on the medical side of things I mean I looking back with our first like everyone seemed to know what was going on but I I wish somebody had told me more and I mean I even think with my midwife I think she still did note it as postpartum depression even though she seemed to know that it that wasn't what it was but just when I realized it was OCD it just it really changed how I thought about it because yeah. I was like oh it's a totally different thing with a totally different route um mm-hmm. and so that was just really helpful um to me so and, and it's been encouraging to see like when our second was born in 2016 when I was even just like scouring the internet there was almost I could find almost nothing um and especially anything from a more Christian perspective it was like there's nothing out here and I was really having to dig and I still feel like I have to dig sometimes to find things but there's a lot more which is a huge encouragement to me yeah Definitely patient, patient education is so important. We talk so much how, you know, doctors don't know and, you know, doctors aren't screening or, you know, but, you know, patients need to be educated too. And I'm a huge, huge advocate for people who maybe are, you know, like, for example, for me, I have a psychiatrist that I see and she, she just doesn't prescribe my meds for me. She teaches me and educates me on what's going on with my brain. I mean, that's extremely helpful in the hearing in the healing process, because especially between depression and OCD, which are two very different. And and that was the issue for me too, is I had OCD with intrusive thoughts and all I could find was things on depression. So anyway, but yeah, so patient education is extremely important. Um, you know, and just that entire spectrum of, you know, of mood disorders is so broad. Um, and the healing process is different for everybody. I mean, that the PTSD from the car accident, I mean, even the move and the, I mean, you had so many big life changes that were happening. I mean, your risk factor was off the chart just simply because of that. Yeah. Well, and one of the crazy things is that I didn't realize like how big those things were. Cause I grew up overseas off and on. And so to me, it was like moving, you just do that. You move internationally and it's fine. Um, and so, but to have like three international back-to-back ones where we're changing community, like every time, um, you know, fairly newly married, new mom, like it was just, and that's why I was so helpful for those mentors to just look at me and be like, yeah, no wonder you feel this way. Um, as well as just not feeling like it was okay to grieve some of those things. Like I moved, I had been in Dubai and I moved from Dubai to get married. And I was like, well, this is like, it's so exciting because I'm moving to get married. And so I didn't really grieve leaving. And then same thing, like going to Japan. It was like, this is so exciting. Like we're really excited to go. And um, so I didn't really grieve that. And then I could tell I was sad about the way my relationship with our first daughter would change when our second was born. So, and I think that's, that's one of the things I'm, I really like to talk to people about and want to bring more awareness of, I mean, just, and just with mood disorders and stuff in general, postpartum and, and during pregnancy, because 
and I've been in the church my whole life. And it just seems like motherhood is just this really great, joyful thing. And it, it is, but it's also really hard and more than just, I mean, it's hard for everyone, but there's ways it's even harder. And I think the way a lot of the times it's talked about in the church or just culture generally, um, we don't expect that and we're not ready for it. And there's not room to talk about it being hard. Yeah, I would agree with that a hundred percent. And making that space is super important um, for families, especially um, so that we don't feel like we're a really bad mom. And when there, cause when there's no space for that, you think, well, then I just don't fit in anywhere. You know, obviously what I'm going through, nobody else does. This is just me. Something must be wrong with me. Um, and then we end up doing kind of all of that, that crummy talk to ourselves, which mm-hmm. just, and then it's cyclical, right? And then forget it. You just end up in this, you know, spiral of emotions and negativity and it's not good for anybody, for the entire family unit. Well, Kylie, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited that you were willing to share your story with us and be a part of this conversation that's so important. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.